Welcome to the Eastman Dental Podcast, where we hope to inspire, motivate and provide education from our guests' experience. So Julia, who's joining us on the podcast this week? Well, Josh, it's going to be an interesting week because for the first time ever, we're doing our first non-dentally qualified guest. We're talking to Ruth Brock. Now, Ruth's the CEO of a fairly new charity, and this charity is called the Hygiene Bank. Toothbrushes and toothpaste are definitely sort of some of our most in-demand items. This is a charity that's sort of very heavily involved in assisting with hygiene poverty. And we're going to be talking about the dental hygiene poverty arm of this charity. This is not just people who, you know, who are reliant on benefits either. This is also people who are working. You know, one in 20 people who are working are experiencing hygiene poverty and they will be your patients. With your hosts, Josh Hudson and Julia Bruin. I know in our introduction, we gave a brief summary of the Hygiene Bank, but I think our listeners really want to hear from you about what the Hygiene Bank is, what it's all about. Tell us about the charity. Sure, absolutely. Um, So the Hygiene Bank has a really interesting sort of founding story. Our brilliant founder, Lizzie, uh, watched the Ken Loach film, I, Daniel Blake, which, uh, you know, for those of your listeners who've seen it, uh, will know is actually a really harrowing film about you know, the sort of dire effects that poverty can have and how people kind of fall through the cracks in our society. But there's a particular scene um, in this film where um, a single mum is caught shoplifting and what she's stolen um, are some period products and uh, some toothpaste and some razors. And this scene really, really stuck with our founder, Lizzie. So she went along to her local food bank and sure enough, she found out that toiletries and sort of hygiene products were only donated on an ad hoc basis and of course those are you know the everyday essentials that most of us Mm -hmm. happily get to take for granted but actually a lot of people don't have access Mm -hmm. to so Lizzie decided to just send out a message on whatsapp to a load of her friends and what they did is they put a box in their local leisure center and started just collecting these toiletry products and then distributing them to their local food bank and that's how the hygiene bank was born and so how long ago was this? That's just four years ago. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a young charity. And since that kind of one project that started, you know, just four years ago, we've now got over 200 projects nationwide run by 600 volunteers. Oh, and well, I can see we're going to be talking about a bit, of, <laughs> bit about those projects um, during the course of this interview. Yeah, that's that's gone massive then. And I think as well, to, to bear in mind, during that time period, we've had a lot of things have happened in the world. We've had obviously COVID. We've had um, the, the, the what we're now kind of saying is this cost of living crisis. And I think probably for a lot of charities, maybe that would be difficult for them because people aren't really necessarily having as much attention on, on the charities. But with the charity that you're working with and what you're doing, do you think that this whole situation has actually given more focus to to the things that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that. But I think it's also important to know that, you know, this problem was there before the pandemic. Certainly COVID did exacerbate it, mm-hmm. um, but it also did bring greater attention to it. But this is a sort of an underlying issue that has been kind of going unnoticed in our society for, for quite a while. So, you know, we um, produced a, a groundbreaking a groundbreaking piece of research last year uh, that found that there are 3.1 million adults who are experiencing hygiene poverty at the moment. That's 3.1 million people just like you and I who are making those 
awful choices between you know, having to share a toothbrush or um, using watered down washing up liquid instead of shampoo or choosing between shaving foam and a razor or the bus fare to go to a job interview, you know, not having enough nappies for their children. This is an underlying problem. It's a hidden crisis. And we've normalised the conversation about food and fuel poverty, terrifyingly. But we're not talking about hygiene poverty because it carries a particular shame and a particular stigma. But, you know, COVID and the cost of living crisis are bringing a greater focus to that. But happily, that also means it's bringing you know, a greater focus on what the solutions are and how we as society, how we as communities can, can help. So greater focus, but also a greater need for the charity, I, I would imagine. Is, Absolutely. Is that, is that yeah, demand is, demand is growing. There is no question about it. You know, we have 200 uh, local projects now who are serving communities right the way across the country, 600 incredible volunteers who are getting products out to food banks and homeless shelters and refugees and schools, you know, any kind of community partner that's that one of the people good can things use. that's come out of COVID. I think that people perhaps are more comfortable about talking about things, they're admitting things, if I can use that word. And I think, um, and also people have realised that actually helping people is a good thing. So I'm sure we'll tease out a few more bits about the charity work um, later on. But this this podcast is essentially a careers podcast mm. and we're getting you in as a sort of added extra because we feel as though that your charity, along with perhaps some other charities we might involve in future episodes, may get involved with. But can you perhaps talk us about your career journey? I mean, you are part of this um, organisation. You're now the CEO. Tell us a bit about you and your journey to get to this point with the charity. Sure. Um, so I've had a, a, a really kind of interesting uh, career journey to date. I guess it falls into kind of three main buckets, um, kind of uh, politics, education and now the charity sector. And I guess the thing that runs through those kind of different uh, buckets, if you like, is is the theme about social justice, about wanting to get people the opportunities they need to really fulfil their potential. Um, so, yeah, so my early jobs in, in sort of my, my 20s uh, were in Parliament and I worked for some incredible uh, early career mentors like uh, Phil Willis, who's now a member of the House of Lords, um, Nick Clegg, uh, late, the late, great, amazing Shirley Williams. And they were all amazing people who taught me such a lot about leadership and finding the courage to kind of say what you believe in and being bold, but also kind of building bridges to achieve change. And, and those were incredibly important sort of early lessons for me. And then I started running um, a tiny community charity in Tower Hamlets. And I absolutely loved working in that borough. I loved the families that I met. I loved the diversity, you know, the creativity, the sense of community that was there. And for those people who don't perhaps know Tower Hamlets, I mean, that's obviously a borough in London. Yes, in East, possibly East one, of, one of the most deprived boroughs um, in this city. It's one of the most deprived boroughs in the country um, and in Europe, actually. And But yes, it has such an incredible cultural richness and diversity and is such a an exciting place to work so I decided to do my teacher training there um, and was really uh, sort of lucky enough to uh, work with head teachers who were working incredibly hard to turn schools around and make them into outstanding educational experiences for families from backgrounds of considerable 
disadvantage. Yeah. And I kind of worked with some of the most incredible, gutsiest, hardworking children that, that you can imagine. It was such a privilege and amazing colleagues. Um, so I learned a huge amount about leadership and leadership cultures and aspiration um, and how to, to be ambitious, even in the face of, of great disadvantage. Um, uh, so that was amazing. But I'd always really had a thing about the power of the arts. And uh, the children that I was teaching, we took part in um, a festival called the Shakespeare Schools Festival. And uh, my children were um, performing uh, Julius Caesar in a, in a professional theatre, which is an incredible thing for like nine and 10 year olds to do. And through that process, they learned sort of incredible aspiration and incredible curiosity about their learning and broadened their horizons. And so, and the chance came up the, the role of chief executive for the charity behind that festival, Shakespeare Schools Foundation, came up and I just had to throw my hat in the ring. Um, and that was a huge leap, a massive, massive learning curve, uh, but just an incredible privilege, you know, to lead that charity over seven years, to watch thousands of children and teachers take part in this incredible festival, which really transformed their outlook and transformed their life chances in, in yeah. many, many cases. Yeah. Um, but having sort of uh, led that charity and also led it through the pandemic, which is pretty tough, <laughs> I can tell you, um, led it through the pandemic and also having come back from my maternity leave it was time uh, for a new challenge and I think I really felt that um, you know as you know now a charity leader you know, w- you know with these kind of themes that I've been sort of gathering over the last 20 years I wanted to do something that was about the big challenges that are facing us as a country the the big things that are going on now something that was really tackling the cost of living crisis that was going to help people to really fulfill their potential and move forward when when there are things that are sounds like they are really lucky to have you i mean that's a wealth of experience and i'm sure that all of those have probably shaped your Mm. ability to really know what's going on in this country and be able to be part of such an exciting project so so i know you've explained a little bit about what the charity does overall Mm. in terms of the hygiene bank but i'm sure we're mostly going to have dental listeners so where does dentistry come into that where does dentistry come into the charity sure well i mean you know we know um and you guys obviously and your listeners will know better than me that sort of um sort of dental hygiene is a, a huge marker of poverty and, you know, and the, and the problems that people can face when, when they are living with hygiene poverty. So we know, for example, that the primary reason for five to nine-year-olds being admitted to hospital is is tooth decay. And that's almost twice the rate of... Yeah, it's, you know, it's the, the biggest use of general anaesthetic, isn't it? Yeah. And and that's you know twice mm. the rate of the second most you know the second most acute reason which I think is tonsillitis. So you know this is a this is terrible that in 2023 that lack of access to uh, toothpaste and toothbrushes amongst the other kind of intersecting reasons is leading to this huge impact on kind of children's health. Um, and you know it is you know as we discovered from sort of the hygiene banks research you know 3.1 million adults living with hygiene poverty many many of those will have children i think 60% of uh you know the people that were interviewed were were making choices between products for themselves and and products for their children so that's mums who are having to choose between say tampons and getting toothbrushes for their children it's dads having to choose between you know shaving foam and enough nappies for their baby um and so you know dental hygiene and sort of uh, is an intrinsic part of if you like the 
basket of goods that families, you know, that people need for their everyday lives. And obviously sort of feeling self-conscious about uh, about your teeth, having bad breath. It's a, a real part of the shame and stigma and embarrassment that we know people feel when they're living with hygiene poverty. And those things have really profound effects on people's lives and the roots out of poverty. So, you know, we know from the Hygiene Bank's research that, you know, sort of at least a third of people who uh, live with hygiene poverty are are staying at home. They're not leaving the house for social occasions. They're not wanting to meet friends and family because they're ashamed about how they look and how they yeah. feel. No, um, I, I I think this this, you know, it, it's fascinating hearing that you've you've done sort of research mm. on that. But I, I think all of us really know that, don't we? We 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 see it with our own eyes in our patients wherever we are in the country. And you know, some of us may be very fortunate to work in environments where we don't see very much of it. So for you to actually really explain that there really is a problem out there and just that we need to be aware that the impact of this goes far reaching, doesn't it? I mean, it's that whole thing of if you're going for a job, if you're going to meet your friends, if you're going to do something and you are not feeling fresh in every sense of the word, that that's going to have a big impact on it you. Absolutely, I, I often say to my patients, funny enough, you know, I think if your mouth is feeling all right, it it makes you feel all right, or it's that whole thing of you know your hands are nice and clean, you feel as though the rest of your body, you know, along mm. with your teeth, it, it, the rest of your body feels quite clean. So yeah, yeah it's a it, it it is a real problem out there. Isn't it, it really is, and horrifyingly, you know, you, you mentioned about people kind of going for jobs. Well, actually, it's stopping people going for job interviews, like thirteen percent of people with lived experience have not gone to a job interview because they're living with hygiene poverty because they don't feel they look and feel the way they should to go for that job interview. 12% of people have not gone to work. So it's not just that hygiene poverty is a hidden crisis. It's also uniquely oppressive because it's blocking those roots out of poverty. It's stopping people fulfilling their potential. Yeah, there's a lot of different aspects. One of the things that definitely just resonated with me was linking back to um, talking about children's decay and, mm. and general anaesthetics for that. And I think that's something that we as a dental professional need to be really aware of. We might be saying, you know, you need to brush your teeth, you need to use a, a fluoride toothpaste or whatever. But are we necessarily thinking, do they have access to these products? I don't know if that necessarily is always something that's at the forefront of, of our minds. So I think it's definitely important to talk about these things and to get that different aspect to consider because we can help with that but if you're not even thinking maybe this person doesn't actually have access to mm. the things that they need then you're not necessarily going to be able to help so that's something that definitely resonated with me that, that came yeah out I, I think there. you're absolutely right I think our listeners need to dig deep occasionally and think mm, actually you know are there any signs out here that you know this child is one of you know five children and perhaps they might be sharing um, yeah sharing things and and if there's an opportunity to give away something that they've got <laughs> uh to people in need then that that's really good i mean which brings me on to the whole um sort of donation element mm. i mean our listeners may have seen your hygiene bank um drop off boxes if we can call them that i don't know whether you call them something <laughs> a bit different from that but i've certainly seen them in um boots mm. in my local boots i have a big one there um now you know, we started this conversation off quite early by talking about the sort of hygiene elements of things. I'm quite interested to know what the drop-off for 
um, dental stuff is. I mean, are people dropping off dental stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, toothpaste, toothbrushes, and toothpaste are definitely sort of some of our most in demand. Um, items and I know sort of one of our projects in Nottingham um, sort of Colgate uh, donated us a huge amount directly and that was gone within the day we we managed to get that out to our community partners you know that range of schools and food banks and everything and there is such demand uh, for those products it's it's huge but yes as you say Julia there's um, you know I think over 700 drop-off points in in boot stores now and yes uh, toothbrushes and toothpaste and you don't have to buy the stuff at boots I mean I think you you can just go in there and donate things. You if, absolutely so if can. if we've got people uh, listeners mm. who are listening to this who are thinking, Do you know, I I went to that trade exhibition and I picked mm. up some toothbrushes or I picked up some toothpaste or some mouthwashes and I've never really got round to using it or it's in my cupboard. Actually, I'd rather give it to this charity. They they can go and drop off things in these boxes at Boots. And, and they don't have to have bought something from there. Don't. So you've talked about the drop-off centres mm. in Boots, but clearly there are other partners who are being involved in this exciting um, charity. So perhaps you can talk us through those, please. Yes, absolutely. So yes, there are over sort of 700 of our big yellow boxes in boot stores and they've been an incredible partner to us. But our local projects you know, have in most cases um, set up set up drop-off points in a whole range of other locations as well. So that might be kind of, you know, their local corner shop or their church or a similar location. Uh, the best thing your listeners can do is just go on our website where there's a little tool where you can put your postcode in and that helps you to find uh, your local drop-off point and your, your local project. And just remind us of your website again. We'll obviously put it in the notes for this episode, but it's, I think it's always just nice for people to listen to it. Sure, it's really um, simple. It's just thehygienebank.com. Great. Thank you very much. So listeners might be thinking, actually, they could help out by maybe having a collection point in their practice. And is that something that's easy to do? How would they go about doing that if that was something they wanted to do? Yeah, we would so welcome that. You know, we can sort of get one of our big yellow boxes uh, down to your local practice. And, you know, you can become a sort of a hub uh, for your community where sort of patients and, and, you know, sort of other sort of local people can come along and can, yes, donate uh, toothbrushes and toothpaste, but also, you know, shampoo and nappies and period products and cleaning products and things that every family needs uh, to get by. So you know, the easiest way uh, to do that is to go on our website and there's um, a map tool where you can find your local project and you can get in touch with them and, and sort of volunteer to become a collection, a drop-off point. Um, and our volunteers will engage with you on that. But you can also just contact us centrally at head office as well and we'll work out the best way uh, to get you involved. We see in our own patients that often when people fall on maybe more challenging times that their oral hygiene can deteriorate and that might not be a, an area of priority for them anymore. Is that something that the charity sees a lot of? Do you think that oral hygiene gets neglected to the same level as general hygiene or, or what do you think is the link between the two? Sure. Well, I mean, you know, I think that it's not a it's not that it's not a priority anymore. It's just that, you know, people have fewer and fewer choices as they fall on harder times. So absolutely understandably, you are going to be paying your fuel bills and putting food on the table before you focus on the products that you need to stay clean and safe. Um, and, you know, dental hygiene and oral hygiene is obviously just one part of that really, really 
difficult picture. Um, and that leads people to have to make some incredibly difficult choices. So it's not uncommon, you know, we now know from our research for families to be sharing a toothbrush because it just isn't possible to have one each. Um, and we heard a story from one of our community partners up in Blackpool where we had sort of managed to get some toothbrushes to a family and you know, the children took the toothbrushes to bed with them as if they were a new toy because it was the first time they'd ever had a toothbrush of their own and that's an incredibly difficult story to hear but it also does illustrate the difference that we can make and that you know actually that family does now have toothbrushes and, and that little step um, might just be that little difference that month for that family that helps them to kind of start to find a route out of their difficulties. I think you make an interesting point there, Josh, about, you know, our patients, because actually quite often we have patients who come in and then say, oh, well, I haven't been doing this and I haven't been doing that. And I think they come up with a whole host of reasons. And perhaps actually one of the reasons that they might not come up with is actually I haven't got enough money for it. Yeah, um, And I certainly remember talking to one of my students a while mm. back where where she sort of was suggesting all of these different coloured teepee brushes and I was like, oh, hang on a second, you know, that's five different colours you've just recommended that person and that's a lot of money. Mm. And so I, I think... Perhaps we just need to be mindful of that situation, don't we? Absolutely. We know that half of uh, the people you know, who have lived experience of hygiene poverty are too embarrassed to ask for help. Full stop. Yeah. So, you know, and, and as you say, like, you know, that could be people who are, are suddenly being plunged into hygiene poverty for a whole host of reasons. It might be a relationship breakdown. It might be a bereavement. It might be the loss of a job. But we're all just one step away, one big life event of, away from finding ourselves in, in this kind of crisis. Yes. And this is not just people who, you know, who are reliant on benefits either. This is also people who are working, you know, one in 20 people who are working are experiencing hygiene poverty and they will be your patients i think yeah 100 percent. It's, it's awareness and i think uh, touching on what you just said about teepees i remember working with a colleague who was seeing a pediatric patient it was single mom two kids and, and he was advising about electric toothbrushes and she you know you could tell she was a bit unsure about this and he was like, oh it's, it's not very much money they're only about 25 30 pounds and i remember standing there thinking you really aren't like judging the situation very well because <laughs> These people need, you know, this person, you know, sure, they might have been able to afford it. You don't want to judge your patients, but equally, they need real practical advice that they can apply. And you shouldn't necessarily be acting in that way, where potentially you've now alienated that patient who's probably not going to listen to anything that you're saying because they don't think that you understand where they're coming from and the problems that they're having. So I think, yeah, we just need to be a bit more aware, yeah. maybe, of our patients and, and, trying to be practical mm. with the advice that we're giving. I mean, yeah, that 25 quid can easily be, you know, a mum in that situation, that can easily be her food budget for the week. There's no way that she can yeah, spend exactly. that on an electric toothbrush yes. for her kids, however yeah. much she wants to. So we, we're talking about this charity and I can feel that some of the listeners will be thinking, wow, God, this sounds really interesting. I've never heard of this charity before. Or, oh, yes, I have heard this charity before and I've seen the drop-off points. 
But how can they get involved? I mean, what, is there anything that anybody can do? I'm talking about dentists. I'm talking about hygienists, dental nurses, the whole gambit. I mean, I Absolutely. think people are always up for helping things. So yeah, what, what um, can they do? We, we we could not be more excited to get people involved and to get them on board. There's there's a whole host of ways that people can get involved uh, with our charity. Uh, the first one is volunteering. Um, as I say, we've got these 200 projects uh, right the way up and down the UK, but we need to start more projects projects in uh, areas that really need it and we need more volunteers for the projects that already exist. Um, We've got a waiting list of over 900 uh, community partners, 900 local charities, food banks, refuges, schools, homeless shelters who want the product that we can supply but at the moment we just can't reach them and one of the keys to those is volunteers. So that's people who uh, like our sort of 600 incredible volunteers who are already with us are prepared to put in a couple or a few hours a week uh, collecting products, sorting products, distributing them out to those local charities so that they get to the local community, so that they get to the families who really need them. Um, So that's one incredible way uh, to get involved. Um, We also always, as with every charity, uh, we need more support. We need more donors to come forward. Even a small amount can make a real difference to a family so that we can set up those projects and look after our volunteers and raise awareness and campaign Uh, to end hygiene poverty. But I think the other brilliant thing um, about your listeners is they can also bring real insight and expertise uh, to us as a charity. And because we're such a young charity and we're looking to grow and we want to kind of build our campaigning work, you know, if you want to come on board and and lend us kind of your views, your insights from your local practice, that would be incredibly welcome as well. Please do get in touch with us. Those projects sound really exciting and I'm sure there'll be people out there to... um help the charity. So they'll just make contact with you on the website that you've given to us previously. Yeah, absolutely. Go to thehygienebank.com. There's um, a portal there where you can sign up as a volunteer. You can find your local project. You can find out more. You can donate. You can read the research report um, that I've been talking about um, and find out more about us. And also where you can drop off products, where you can drop off those toothbrushes and toothpaste right. so they can get to families who need them. I mean, them. we're saying that... Um, dental professionals are listening to this podcast but I'm sure there'll be some industry people that Mm. will be very keen and I'm sure that they'll have some um, hopefully some help to um, help the charity there. Yeah absolutely we're always always incredibly grateful for new uh, brand partners who come on board with us you know Boots are an incredible supporter but we always kind of need more people to kind of join the cause and if you know for example uh, you know there are sort of um big volumes of product that can be donated it's not just that we collect from the public we can also disseminate those kind of big donations out to projects across the country too and as i say with toothbrushes and toothpaste being in the most in demand those donations would be incredibly welcome and we can make sure they go where they're needed so uh, as a profession i think we've got um quite a lot to offer uh, the world in a positive way just in terms of the advice that we can give the treatment that we can give and that could be through donations to charity through working with charities i just want to talk generally just about charities in general what kind of advice would you give to somebody in the dental industry who is wanting to get more involved in charity be that not necessarily yourselves but just any charity Mm -hmm. from your own experience of working with charities what advice would you give to somebody who wants to help more that maybe doesn't quite know about how to go about it sure i would say absolutely go for it i think there's probably never been a more important time to look at your local community to look at the state of the world and and decide how you want to try and give back 
a little bit. Um, I think there's also, you know, particularly, obviously with my charity in mind, but many, many others as well, there's something particularly about volunteering that is incredibly beneficial on an individual level as well as for the cause you're supporting. So there's plenty of research that shows that, you know, volunteering really contributes to you know, your confidence, to your mental health, to your well-being, um, as well as giving you kind of new skills and new experiences, helping you to make new connections, even make new friends. So I think it's an incredibly positive way of even if you only have a very small amount of time um, every week or every month of just finding a way to, to give back and feel more closely connected to a cause or more closely connected to your local community. I, I, I totally absolutely resonate with with your points because I've done a number of different bits of charity with different charity events mm. uh, events um, in my time and I can tell you I, I've got some very very dear friends as a result of mm. it so yeah and um, yeah it's definitely worth doing something absolutely clearly this is a fairly new charity and your focus has been in its entirety of the hygiene mm. poverty element but have you got any plans to do sort of more targeted dental initiatives? Sure, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think the first thing to say is sort of dental um, and oral hygiene, you know, are an intrinsic part of hygiene poverty in the round. These things don't sort of exist in, in isolation. But yes, we're incredibly interested um, as we put together our strategy for the next few years, as we look at the campaigning work that we want to run in getting the kind of best advice and insight and research that will help us to be as effective as we can. So yes, we, you know, we've been having some great conversations uh, with an academic at Cardiff University about the Child Smile Programme in Scotland and the Designer Smile Programme in Wales and how those programmes have seen um, a demonstrable impact in reducing kind of tooth decay and, and improving oral hygiene in children because it's this combination of um, education and supplying products and, and really getting that in uh, at a very early stage um, in a child's life. So it's insights and research and expertise like that that will really help us to um, drive our programmes and drive our campaigns and be the most effective that we can be. So, And so if there are people out there with absolutely. those sort of skill set that you might be looking I for... I would be can, incredibly can... interested to hear from them. I was going to say that. I think you know your listeners are in a position to provide us with brilliant insight um, and, you know, perhaps kind of both sort of qualitative and quantitative data that will help us to drive really research-driven, you know, fact-based, effective campaigns to really make change in our, in yeah. our local communities and across the country. That's, that's really I'd powerful. That, that's them. kind of almost a spine-tingling <laughs> yeah. excitement, isn't mm. it? I mean, I think that that must be a wonderful, wonderful yeah, thing to you be know, part of. Absolutely it is. And, you know, you've been talking a lot about sort of, you know, senior individual patients. I think maybe kind of hopefully, you know, listening to this podcast and starting the kind of like, you know, maybe kind of just spark that interest and draw the parallels between, you know, what we know about hygiene poverty and what, you know, your listeners are seeing, you know, in their practices might really spark some insights that we just don't know about as a charity yet. And we would love to hear those. Uh, and I think... It's all out there, isn't it? I mean, I think, you know, we we sometimes are a bit cosseted about where we work and our working mm -hmm. environment. And I think that you're right. I think that it's all out there if people are prepared to share it Absolutely. and make a difference. And I think it's the patients that we don't see as well, because we're going to be seeing... Generally, we're seeing patients that have got the money to come and see us. Unfortunately, NHS dental services aren't free in primary care. 
So there's a lot of patients where we're not seeing and we're not giving them the messages that they need to be given. So again, what you're saying there about these targeted campaigns where there's products, which is great, but also the education, mm. I think that's a, a great opportunity to really get messages out to people that might not even be getting the message in the first place in terms of a, fluoride very, very or, or whatever yeah. else that yeah. we're trying, yeah. to, uh, trying um, to say. So yes, yeah, great opportunities for any of our listeners to to get involved and make a difference, be that whether they're into research and the the big population-based stuff or whether just a local community. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, sort of the beauty of how this charity can work with your listeners is that we do operate. Um, you know, we are so proud to be a grassroots community-based volunteer-led charity but we also do have this national reach as well and we're really aspirational for these national campaigns to really start to turn things around to and all because poverty. somebody watched a film all because somebody watched a film they <laughs> get the power of the arts again you see yeah. <laughs> it, all, it all started there yeah somebody watched a film and had a brilliant idea and put you it into it, action it, you hear this all of the time don't you i mean we, we we talk obviously at this podcast this is this is a dental podcast and we're talking to colleagues who've had inspirational ideas uh, about their career mm. changes and you know <laughs> we're talking about you but actually everything that there's happy accidents everywhere you go Absolutely. isn't there happy yeah. situations that just work out to make a big big difference so yeah so I guess that brings us on to what's what's next what's next for the charity and uh, and what's next for you do you think <laughs> sure I mean I think what's next uh, for the charity is that we've really got to look at the next few years in the context of this research that I've been talking to you about. So, you know, we started out four years ago and we've had this incredible growth, but that's been organic growth. It's grown with the kind of volunteers who've been starting and running these incredible projects across the country. But what we now know from this research is not only um, about the number of people who are experiencing hygiene poverty, but also about the groups who are disproportionately affected. So one in five people with a disability will be living with hygiene poverty. You are twice as likely to be living with hygiene poverty if you come from a black and minority ethnic background it's disproportionately impacts young people aged 18 to 34 and that's you know affecting their college and university attendance for example so blocking you know their future potential um, it disproportionately impacts uh, sort of larger families um, so you know these are incredibly important factors when we think about the charity's future and where it should be really focusing its efforts and and that's the work we're we're really engaged with at the moment um as i say it's, it's about how we get more product and get it out to more people and get it to the people who really need it in the areas of the country in the greatest need but it's also about the campaigns we run because there is you know this ultimate one of the things i admire most about the charity you know when i was going through the application process when i was coming on board was that it's we're absolutely aspirational not to exist hygiene poverty <laughs> shouldn't be a problem mm. that we're tackling in 2023 yes. our yeah. job as a charity is to solve this problem and then to go away you know hygiene poverty is not something as a society that we should still be tackling it is not the choices that people are making between paying their bills and feeding their families and whether they have got toothbrushes or shampoo or cleaning products for their homes it is not a conversation that we should be sitting here having so you know my charity is here to end hygiene poverty <laughs> yeah i mean yes that was a fantastic way to almost end our podcast isn't it really so Thank you very, very Thank much for so coming. Much Thank for you us. so much for having us. And hopefully we'll have inspired some of our listeners. I hope I'm so. sure we will have. 
We hope you have enjoyed listening to this episode. We would love to hear your suggestions for future guests. Remember to follow us on social media using hashtag the Eastman Dental Podcast. And if you like what you hear, please rate, share, subscribe and listen out for future episodes. <laughs>